It's time for the only show where today's top mid-revenue cycle leaders share the personal stories, struggles, and successes that you won't hear on the big stage, but made them who they are today. Are you ready to go off the record? Here's your host, Brian Murphy. Welcome, fellow medical coding, CDI, and mid-rev cycle professionals to the only show that is significant, separately identifiable, but doesn't require Modifier 25. <laughs> Little coding humor for you there. I crack myself up. I'm glad I can do it. This is Off the Record, and I'm your host, Brian Murphy. Uh, we've got a great show for you lined up today uh, with a guest that I've known for years now. Um, one who's seen it all, moving very successfully between case management coding and the CDI worlds, as well as stops in the technology and consulting industry. Uh, we call that the dark side. Oops, I probably shouldn't say that, but I just did. Uh, before coming back again here into the provider community, uh, there and back again, as you might say, is a little reference from one of my favorite books of all time. I'll let my listeners figure out what that is, but I do want to welcome uh, Susan Fanton. Susan is the Vice President of Integrated Care Management at McLaren Healthcare in Grand Blanc, Michigan. Uh, by way of background, uh, Susan leads system-wide initiatives for CDI, care management, and utilization management, as well as denials. She is a nurse with more than 30 years of healthcare experience, a variety of clinical areas. We were just chatting before the show that I uh, was stalking her on her LinkedIn profile, but it's pretty impressive, folks. We're going to get into that today. She's been in acute care nursing, clinical documentation, of course, case management, UR, patient throughput, clinical house supervision. Um, Susan, I believe still presently, right? Susan serves on the Actus Advisory Board. I do. Which is how I really got to know you uh, and your expertise and passion for the industry. Until uh, very recently, was deeply involved with the Michigan local chapter of Actus. And I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome to Off the Record, Susan. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here today. Yeah, this is wonderful. I'm, I'm so happy to have you on, old friend. Um, well, I always like to provide our listeners with some context for who you are and what you're currently doing. And, and uh, you've got a, a pretty... Uh, high-powered uh, job at, at McLaren. So I'm um, hoping you could talk a little bit about that today, about your role and what that entails. Could you give us just a glimpse into the uh, a day in the life of Susan? <laughs> it's it's uh, never changing. It's, what I think my path might be in the morning is definitely different how it goes. But um, as you mentioned in the beginning, I oversee four pretty big service lines for a 15-hospital um uh, service uh, organ system uh, hospital, excuse me, and uh, you know what it depends on what you know what the challenge might be from that day, whether it's a corporate challenge or whether it's an independent hospital that I'm overseeing. But uh, oversee CDI denials, UM, uh, and case management. So uh, every day is an interesting day, and um, where where we go from there is always a you know regular meetings, those kind of things. I do do on-site visits with the facilities. Um, but most of the time spending my time working with process flows um, and those kind of things and handling any problems that might arise or along the way. Yeah, I have to imagine there's a lot of uh, process to be flowed. Um, yes. <laughs> how many staff are you sort of indirectly responsible for? Like how many are we looking at throughout uh, the organization under that umbrella? Just shy of 300. Okay. Wow. So, and, yeah. and how many direct direct reports do you have that you're sort of? Um, I have. Um, I, I'm a leadership team. I have uh, 16 on the. Uh, we kind of have separated it now because on the integrated care management side, mm. and then I have um, uh, one corporate director of CDI plus four directors. Wow. So on the other side, uh, so. Uh, they're probably going to come under that umbrella of ICM, but ICM was, and, and I, that's re referred to as integrated care management, was just um, developed within McLaren. Um, it, it's reporting underneath, but uh, budget-wise or cost center-wise, if you want to call it, it's still separate entity. So yeah. it's, all, it's, all, it's all under me. <laughs> I love that you have integrated these departments so well. I, I can only imagine what that took to do because, you know, as we know, they're traditionally much more siloed case management often is very separate from CDI, um, yes. even coding to some degree. It's gotten a lot closer these uh, over these years, but 
um, you know, that's, that's amazing in and of itself. And that, that your ability to, to meld these two worlds, I think has been one of the biggest uh, achievements that you've made for me as an outsider looking in at McLaren. And I think it's a model that others could look to because, you know, we always talk about CD, the importance of CDI and there's no one who's going to talk it up more than, than myself. But um, if you don't have that patient appropriately assigned, um, it's all for naught if you're not meeting medical necessities. So to me, it, it's, it's hand in hand. But yes. I imagine getting to that point, getting it all under one umbrella is really the biggest challenge to why more don't do that. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that and how, where you are with that now. Uh, I'm going to just jump ahead a little bit here okay. and, and have you talk about it. Sure. So uh, about two years ago, I report to the corporate um, uh, chief medical officer at McLaren, um, who uh, who put me in the role. It was Dr. Michael McKenna, uh, very much a, an advocate of mine, and, and well, and saw <clears throat> opportunities within me that probably I I didn't see. So it's always nice nice to have somebody in that role. Uh, he recently passed away unexpectedly Sorry. and i have a new cmo um, dr clamaris who is filling he was a great friend of dr mckenna's and, and filling his shoes right away so but in that vision in mclaren's vision um, they had done a um, outside consulting um, like what were what were the best practices that mclaren was missing an opportunity at um, and this integrated care management was one of them that we were working in silos across the system. And this was a huge opportunity to take that on. Um, another one happens to be the CNO position. So a chief nursing officer at a corporate level and then have the corporate. So we kicked off the integrated care management first. Um, they're still in a, in, a, in a search for the corporate CNO position. But in saying that, again, to get us to best, best practices across, you know, where they rate themselves against each other's organizations. Um, so in saying that, you know, it was kind of started to put into play and Dr. McKenna started putting me as I was the corporate director of CDI <clears throat> into some more meetings in relation to UM or denials or, you know, case management and started hand, having me handle things. The first thing I kicked off uh, beside, before getting promoted was Optum Physician Advisory Services. Um, so trying to get our uh, and again, when you think from a CDI perspective, you know, how important is it to have a physician advisor, right, that we can utilize and go to our, our CMOs are often very busy um, and challenged. So it's nice to have somebody to reach out to. And when you think of it from a UM or denials perspective, it's a must. Right. So um, we, we kick that off and we've been working on internalizing that. So while we have Optum as our vendor, we're going to work towards making that an internal resource um and build that program so that'll be another service line that will eventually come within integrated care management is having our own physician advisory services uh, but i've got put in this position last officially last uh, august so it's been a year okay <laughs> Just over a year um, and it had a lot to do with when you think of systematizing something there's a lot of pre-work that has to be done. So working with HR and working with the sites, mm -hmm. you know, and their, their HRs because everybody's individualized and making sure nobody panics and making job descriptions because what we did very first off was I had to create job descriptions that were the same for everybody. Cause again, we had, we were working in silos and everybody had a different job description. We had to do market analysis on those job descriptions to make sure we're getting the pay structures correct. So we did all that pre-work for a good couple months there. And then we met with every every hospital, every department, talked to them about that strategy of moving them. We made them hopefully relax a little about it, right? That, I can you know, imagine that you... their jobs were just yeah. you know just trying to standardize it and make it better, right? That um, human factor of just letting people know that you're not like going to combine three roles into one and exactly two out of three are out of luck, you know, right? To, and you know. and who am I, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was CDI, so. Yeah, some maybe some of the leadership in those roles knew who I was, but the staff didn't, right? Because you know they didn't know who I was. That you know the managers of UM might have, because we might have been on some meetings together or something like that. But the staff didn't know me, so I had to kind of introduce myself to them and make them feel a little bit comfortable. So we moved all the staff over. Probably, I, I did interviews for the leadership positions. We actually took all the leaders, but since they were regionalizing, you know, get them to know that they're going to have more than one hospital, maybe two. So right? These were leaders promoted from within. Or, yes. Or were they external? Yes. Okay. We promoted everybody from within. Yeah. Um, so that was great. Uh, we did not have any ex 
you know, not that I wouldn't take an external candidate if I need it, but we promoted everybody from within, which is always, always a plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, then we moved everybody in over in, we like turned on the light switch and in December, we moved everybody over. And then all of a sudden, all those people were mine on top of the CDI team. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, uh, I can have tell you, you uh, have you slept since December? No, I haven't slept. <laughs> I, I still say, you know, in CDI, we would also always talk about um, think and ink before computers came, you know, because I'm dating myself now, right? Because it used to be a paper chart. Uh, I still use pens. But, I still use but pens. Think and type, right? So now I always I, I tell my boss and my new boss, I used, I said I can't type fast enough to answer every every question every change because it's amazing when you when you do that and it's not just those departments that i took it's the departments that interacted with those departments because then they, they want oh well we're doing this initiative would you come to this meeting <laughs> like who are you wait a minute i'm still trying to figure out this over here so mm-hmm. um it's it's definitely been challenging i've worked a lot of hours uh, my team has been incredible because uh, I can honestly say, especially my leadership team, um, not that the staff aren't, but my leadership team has also obviously gone through a lot of change and a lot of learning, right? Um, and, and being nimble for more than one hospital, getting to know their new teams and their new roles. Um, so uh, I can't do what I do without them. Mm-hmm. And I can say again, for my CDI team, who I have led you know, for several years at McLaren, which was previously Atos and Anthelia, but we moved them all into McLaren um, and saying that, you know, I could walk away. I promoted somebody again within to my previous role um, to that, which is Sean McPhee, who um, has also spoke at Actus um, with me and by herself. So that's great. Um, but in saying that I could walk, I, not, not that I walked away, but I could focus my direction to the other side and know that the CDI service line, what we had built together as a team was going to be successful if I had stepped away to, mm-hmm. to start building this. So that's amazing. You know, and you've just touched on something so important. Um, we're going to get into how you've been able to make some of these transitions over your career, but you just alluded to one of them. Well, you didn't allude to it. You said it, uh, which is giving up prior responsibilities. So many of us build something and we hold on to it. We don't want to let go. Uh, And it's very hard when you're good at something. I'm sure you were very good at your CDI role, direct CDI facing role. And that's, that's hard to abdicate responsibility to someone else, even if they're good, you know, because, because it's you. Um, That must've been a little hard. I would imagine. It, it was. And I, I have said to her uh, a couple times in the last several months, can I have my job back? <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? She's like, uh, no. <laughs> she, she always keeps telling me I got this. And, and it's not that I really want my job back because I know that's doing well and everything else. It's obviously just, um, again, uh, knowing that there's a lot of challenges with this new role and there's a lot of obstacles and trying to remember i i can't finish it it's not a race it's a it's a journey right and to get there and uh, we did have an outside vendor come in to help us with that um, designation so they came in and they worked with me from the acma and um, it was nice to hear them say susan this takes about 18 to 24 months so the fact that it's been six or seven months you know this was a month ago uh, you've done a lot of great, great things. It's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna be perfect uh, right away. So, uh, and I'm, I'm one of those people, and uh, that like to, I, I, I have a CDI dashboard. We created it. You know, it's got the typical red, yellow, green with all the metrics and KPIs that we want for it. And I'm very. Um, uh, happy to say that most of the time it's green. Uh, from and and if it's not green, if it's yellow or red. I can, I have a reason for that, right? There, mm-hmm. There's an explanation behind it. Maybe it's staffing, maybe it's something that happened, you know, on a change or a Cerner go live or something like that. And I'm very proud of that. And, I, and on my other side, we're building those dashboards. We're not quite there. And of course it's not green. And um, I'm, I'm desperate to make it green. I'm like, I am a person who wants it to be green. <laughs> you know, so, it, so. I don't want to go too deep into the dashboard because we could spend an hour on that. Right. Like yes. what, like, so what constitutes a green dashboard? What, what are the positive metrics or success factors that 
that keep that green in and right. doesn't edge you into the yellow. <laughs> yeah, so for, for CDI, it has a lot to do with severity illness and risk of mortality. So if we're improving that yep. um, and we have a baseline that we started at and then we judge off of that and then we move that baseline every couple of years so that we can see what's happening there. Number of reviews a CDI is doing. Um, so their productivity rate, their query rate, the physician response rate, the typical ones that you see in a CDI service line. We look at CMI, um, you know, all those types of things. So, uh, and then, you know, we have a separate for like the unable to determine, you know, we're watching those docs and answering that unable mm -hmm. to determine too many times. You know, we're doing education off that kind of stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nice dashboard. We put some metrics to it, put alpha best practices out there and, um, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, that's the, what they have to achieve. Right. And then mm -hmm. any new CDS, right. Isn't going to see 22 plus charts a day. It's not, you know, there that we got a, you know, a steady gate for them to go up to that. Over time. Gotcha. I remember putting that unable to determine in the uh, practice brief we worked on with AHIMA back in the day. I'm sure people are cursing us now, but <laughs> you got to give them that out, right? Even though it's, it's painful to see them. Sometimes there just isn't an answer, right? They're, they right. just don't know. And so you, you got to give them something. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, they like to use it too much, right? Just to get it off their list. <laughs> I know. it's it's. I've heard that it can be a crutch uh, for some folks, but yes. um, got to maintain that, um, you know, that, that, clinical openness and, and um, the uncertainty, as you've said there. Correct. Yeah. Yes. All right. You know, gosh, Susan, uh, again, impressive role. Um, I don't know how you've been finding time to do this podcast and, and stay upright, but it's, it's been pretty amazing what you've been able to do there, but I kind of want to dial back the clock a little sure. bit here and, and talk about <laughs> Susan, um, how you got into healthcare to begin with, you know, uh, specifically uh, into, into nursing. Um, that's quite, I, I've, uh, my daughters will kill me for talking about this. You know, there, I have one daughter who's in college and she's following in her old man's footsteps. She's more of the marketing English communications field. My other daughter is a science brain, but she's leaning toward, which is really cool food science. Uh, I was trying to get them into nursing. I was not too subtly telling them how awesome this career was and how, if you're even a little bit blood averse, you know, like working at the bedside that there is so much that you can do with this career, uh, as we've seen from you, you know, move into administration, leadership, consulting. Um, but what was it that got you into, into nursing to begin with? And also I, I want to know you, you, you surely must have some type of interesting nursing story, crazy nursing story, something that may, that may have occurred that I'd, I'd love to hear about. Uh, always interested to hear um, what set people down this, this, this path. Yes. So sure. Happy, happy to share that. Um, so my nursing career, prop, you know, I'm probably one of those ones that can say, and, and I don't know if, if everybody can say this, but I always wanted to be a nurse. So it was never a question okay. to me about what I wanted to do. Um, my mom questioned it, I can tell you that. Um, so uh, both my parents were teachers and most of my family um, were teachers, uncles, aunts, those kind of things. And she just couldn't understand why I would want to go into healthcare. Why wouldn't I want to have my summers off and, you know, uh, and I, that just didn't sound like it was something that was for me. I, I always wanted to do it. Huh. Um, and it's a caring spirit or just, yeah, because no, no, there was just, so, I, I like to help people. I guess that was what it was. And in high school, I had um, two opportunities that kind of even led me more in that direction. The first one I've shared with you once before, and that was um, our, our high school had the opportunity to have a, it was, it was called, I forget what the name of the class was, but it was a co-op class. So mm -hmm. in your junior year, you took this co-op class to see, it's kind of like to just introduce students to that ability to get to know knowledge in the healthcare arena, right? Like if you were thinking of anything in healthcare, this was kind of like the class to take. And I went over a little bit about anatomy and physiology, how to take care of a patient. We had fake nursing beds and, you know, patient beds in the rooms, those kind of things. So I learned how to make a bed. I learned how to take a blood pressure. Wow. You know, I learned some stuff. And then the next year, there was a full year's class. And then the next year you got to go into the hospital and work as a co-op student 
and get paid and get credit uh, for that work. So they would let us out early, you know, like two o'clock in the afternoon to be there for the three o'clock afternoon shift. And we worked until like 8.30 and I got a whopping $3.10 an hour to do that. <laughs> so again, dating myself because that was minimum wage. But, we will have to break out the inflation calculator because yeah. that, that might be $18 so, or something today. Maybe not even. 12 but that probably really solidified, <laughs> yes, exactly, really solidified that's what I wanted to do. I got to work different floors, so it was med surge, it was rehab, it was wow. postpartum, it was, it was everything. So they transferred How us. How old were you when you were seeing this? I was 17. You were so, 17 and you were in a med surge unit? Yep, I mean, working as an aide, you know, for a couple hours, twice, twice a week. I love um, that because if that didn't drive you away, nothing would and you, exactly. you know this is for you. Exactly. And then what was great is when that school year finished, they offered the co-ops were the first ones to get offered a summer job. And you didn't know where you were going to get that job. Um, they could you know, place you anywhere in the facility and you wait for that letter. And I got um, postpartum. So I worked all my nursing career um, and not my nursing, my student nursing career while I was going to nursing school. Uh, in OB. So uh, I would come home on the weekends and I would pick up hours so I could keep that contingent status after I did my summer. And mm -hmm. I was working in the newborn nursery. I was working in postpartum. I mean, those days people stayed five, 10 days, right? Right. <laughs> so, um, and it was a big hospital that had a huge population. Um, so I always thought I was going to be an OB nurse for the rest of my life. Obviously, that is not <laughs> what mm -hmm. happened. <laughs> um, too many, too many so. witnessing of the miracles of childbirth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went through two tough deliveries, and uh, it, it it was more like a, a something a battlefield scene out of Vietnam than it was, uh, yes, you know, some some uh, Hallmark movie. That, that's yeah. it's a tough spot there. Yeah. Yes. So that that's how I started, and so that's you know my other one was probably um, my father was the head football coach um, in my high school, and um, I had the opportunity to be, uh, he sent me to a, a boot camp because he knew I was interested in healthcare too, to learn to be a trainer for the team. Oh, wow. So I would tape the ankles, carry mm -hmm. the guys off the field, all of that kind of stuff, and wrists, whatever their injuries were. Um, I did that for two years too while I was in high school, and I also got to do it for the basketball team. So wow. again, it kind of just solidified that I was going that direction. <laughs> so. Okay. Have you had to apply any ankle tape at all in your in your in your days transitioning the team on a care management? Probably a little bit. <laughs> no, but my kids, I have <laughs> so for their sporting events. So that's come up. That's come up helpful. <laughs> oh God, that's uh, that's all pretty cool. I I love and I love the fact that your your dad a football coach and you got you out there uh, taping up. I give you credit there. I mean, I played high school football, so uh, I know those uniforms were barely washed or lightly washed and just getting through that odor uh, is enough to knock someone over. <laughs> well, nothing can. can yeah, I guess maybe that's where I learned because nothing compares to the odors in the hospital. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so. Oh, good Lord. And, and any standout experiences from that, like an, a peak experience for you in your nursing days? <laughs> oh, th there's, there's so many of them. But when you talk about like um, a couple uh, like real challenging ones that are things that you find that are off the cuff of like just poor staffing or, you know, um, anything like that. I, I have one where I had the opportunity um, to help somebody, uh, a young mother um, took care of her for a long time pass mm -hmm. um, with her young family. She had cancer mm -hmm. um, and uh, helped them through that. And I was their nurse for a long period of time before, before she passed and, uh, um, felt like I made it a little bit better. I mean, yeah. it's never ever a good, good thing. So that was one thing that touched me from a, a care perspective, mm -hmm. um, from a, um, you're a very caring person, Susan, that thanks. comes through loud and clear in everything that you do. You've Thank never lost you. that. Yeah. Uh, but some more like interesting ones where I was like the house supervisor. Uh, and I don't know if it happened in your area where you lived. This was back. I was pregnant. I was very pregnant. Okay. And um, the power went out before I went to work. It was very common for where I live for the power mm -hmm. to go off. And it's just like a breeze came, the power went up. So I kind of 
laughed. My husband said, oh, I get to go to the hospital. You know, they have, they have always have power. You can sit here with, with the kids and uh, the ones that I already had and, you know, enjoy that for the evening and see when the power comes back. And well, I got to the hospital and there was no power. No oh, my, power in the hospital. oh, my word. And um, backup generators were on, hallways were dark, uh, elevators were down, and I was again very pregnant. <laughs> so, um, and it was, you know, I worked midnights at that time. And so leadership wasn't, I was the leadership walking into the building for the night. And uh, it was a long, long night. Uh, we ended up getting some people in, uh, calling up waters to the floors to the patients. And you're like seven, eight months pregnant around this. Oh, my God. Exactly. And we ended up being without power. We had to get the backup generators, you know, big, big semi into the facility. Uh, It was probably about four or five days um, that we just had a complete blackout here in in Michigan and actually some over to the I don't know if if that happened where you were, but it was places to the east, to states to the east as well. What, yeah, what what year would that have been? Was it was it was it a nice oh, storm or two thousand? Okay. Oh, maybe it was two thousand and three. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of children because I was pregnant. <laughs> so it's possible. So uh, I barely remember what I did two weeks ago. So I'll, yeah, and I'll then be- again, as a house supervisor, you know, you're walking the halls and you check on every floor and you know you make sure everybody's okay and you you, know, you check in the ER and you're making a lot of moves during the night and placements, but. Um, I and you walk the you halls and you give like a flashlight. Yeah. When you walk the halls and you're coming down the stairs and you walk into um, a police officer with a, a, a gun. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> um, again, is, is kind of, you know, he's got a large gun on him. And apparently there was a bomb threat. And again, didn't call the house supervisor, which was me, to let me know if they were entering the building. I just happened to run into him. <laughs> so there were several um, in the building at that point. And uh, no bomb, but you know we had the the block sanctioned off, and once I finally figured out what was going on, we got everything under control. But yeah, there's always interesting. You know, it's very much uh, hospitals are um, a little bit beyond just right regular patient care. So there's oh, always one offs that are occurring, especially at interesting hours. <laughs> so those those unable to determine seem pretty small in comparison to walking around with a you know a flashlight and a yeah. power outage eight months pregnant and encountering policemen with guns. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not, what they talk in nursing school. Not what they taught you in nursing school, right? <laughs> so. so let's let's try to keep working your way up to the present. Sure. So you, you you spent the first 17 years of your career at St. Joseph Mercy Health System. You went from staff nurse, case manager case manager, excuse me, to CDI and outcomes, never standing still. It looked like you were getting promoted about every two years. Um, what was that like? And you, you, you must have just been a go-getter. What, what, what was fueling you to, to keep advancing at that point? Um, I don't, it's something in me. I, I, I always strive to find out. I was always as a nurse, as a side nurse, I was, what committee can I get on? You know, what, what can I be involved on? And, and, and I think my leadership noticed that and they would say, hey, this is happening. Would you like to, you know, and that's exactly how I got into CDI. I was a case manager. My my organization decided to start CDI and, you know, I didn't apply for it. I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> and, uh, my manager came up to me. She goes, I'm going to be overseeing this and think that you would be a great candidate. And I turned her down when she told me what it was about. And I turned her down. I said, I, I see patients. I work with patients. Why, why would I want to read a chart for the day? Mm-hmm. I, I can't see myself. I, I, I believe I'm an extrovert. <laughs> so um, my husband is an introvert and I'm, I think I'm definitely the extrovert in the family. But um, I can't so I'm like, I couldn't see myself just looking at a chart. Um, and CDI is so much more than working, looking at a chart. But at the yes. time when you're approached with that concept, you'll just review charts and ask what, you know, I was like, you know, so she came back to me again and uh, I said, OK, what's it about? Tell me more. And uh, yeah, here I am later with, you know, I'm on the board and uh, I've done, done a lot of things with it. Yeah. So and you discover uh, it's actually being a detective and a, yeah. and a psychologist and yeah. uh, <laughs> it's it's a wonderful I mean it's so like you said it's so much more you, you I'm still teaching right I'm up in front of doctors I'm speaking yep. at events um yeah so it's it's a wonderful opportunity um I encourage it for anybody uh from a staffing nurse if they're looking to get something different uh CDI is definitely something that they can mention into especially if they have a lot of clinical background to them you know over a course of years they 
certainly can't yeah. jump into it right out of nursing. So exactly. And I love it, too, because you're, you know, you're your peak career at this time. This is not there is a perception which I've tried my my damnedest to uh, steer people from. And um, I know our current actus staff uh, and leadership has, which is seeing CDI as a retirement position. Mm-hmm. Um, never like those words. I know that some people are burned out by the bedside, but just know when you get into this space, CDI uh, or high level coding management, that it's far from that. It's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's different, but it's yeah, short of not having to pull 12 hour shifts most of the time. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's a whole different mindset and skill set, and you have to be on your A game if you want to succeed here too. Yeah. And it's, and you know, with anything, you know, it's, you're always learning, right? But in CDI, yep. it's a definite, I mean, every year the rules change, every quarter it changes because of coding clinics. You have to, you have to be on top of your knowledge and, and know what's what's happening with it. And then even if they throw in a new new tool to use, right, right, you have to be kind of IT savvy at the same time, so. Yeah, I wanna talk just briefly too about a, a left-hand turn you made that I alluded to at the beginning of the show. Um, here you are climbing the, the ladder professionally and, and even the corporate ladder and in, 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 um, in the healthcare system for a hospital. And then you decide to um, move into the consulting world. Uh, I believe tech too. I was looking a little bit into, I, I know the advisory board pretty well. Yeah. They hit me up uh, early on in my Actus days for a couple of uh, interviews and, um, and Thelio as well, which I think was more tech focused if I'm correct. Um, so what, why those stops? I have a couple of questions about okay, that. Sure. Why those stops? What did you learn? And and the tough one I'm going to ask you, Susan, is yeah. what do consultants not get about working with hospitals? Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you answer uh, that? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, so how did I get to the advisory board? So um, I worked for Trinity Health at the time. I was overseeing CDI for the system. And we were working a lot with the advisory board and I don't know. I maybe I got star eyed gazed. You know, the advisory board was always something, you know, when they came in, they were, you know, it was a known to a company. They, you know, it's it's the advisory board is here today, yeah. you know, kind of thing. They were like the leading experts in 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 healthcare consulting and those kind of things. Yeah. And uh, so they came in and stuff. And um, so I knew them. So I was always excited to get into invited to one of those. And I can honestly say they they did not those, those that I worked with at the time did not reach out to me and say, Hey, we think you'd be good for this job. Cause that's not what happened. What happened was, is I just happened to be looking, I think it was on the Actus website, as a matter of fact, and they had a posting uh, for the advisory board. I'm not sure if it was Actus, but I think it was. And um, it was for uh, a, somebody with CDI background who could help them build uh, basically technology like a 3M 360, right? They were getting it off the ground and they were looking for somebody to build it. And in my mind, I said, one, it's the advisory board, It'd be a great opportunity from what I know of them. And the second was, well, I've done everything else in CDI, right? I've been a CDS, I've, I've managed it, I'm now leading it for a system. You know, I'm, where, where else do you go from there? So maybe it is to this, you know, building technology. I'm, you know, who knew that I could get into IT, but <laughs> but I did it from a perspective. So I, I took that opportunity on and uh, we started building the tool. They had some of it done already. And my goal was to be pretty much the subject matter expert working with a physician on did what triggers were going to pop right into that. Yeah, I was wondering if that ultimately became Crimson. Is that the tool? No, Crimson already existed. Okay. Um, it was a different tool. Um, and that's what we were using at Trinity. That's what, you know, so that's why Crimson was so big. Gotcha. Um, but this was a separate tool just for the CDI team to use. They, you know, they saw how well um, the 3Ms of the world were doing or the J Thomases back then that were doing. So uh, advisory board was looking to do that. So yep. I started building these things. Uh, and I kept talking to the tech teams and saying, I think people are ahead of us, like way ahead of us, right? Like there's there's companies out there that are significantly ahead of us. And uh, we had and some pilots. This would have been what year approximately, Susan? Uh, I'm well, you on the spot there. I'm that's sure okay. Like 12, 13, yeah. I think. So you're starting to see the dawn of, of some AI uh, yep. in the space. Yep. Yep. And uh, I want to say about 
six to 12 months in, um, they agreed that it was probably not something that we were going to, you know, we had it, we had some beta sites up, but it just wasn't working. Um, and okay. other, so they decided to sunset it. Um, in the meantime, the advisory board on another note had started a consulting in their revenue cycle with CDI subject matter experts. Um, that was going on while I was doing, I was the only one in the, the IT space from a CDI perspective. So they shifted me over to the consulting team um, and asked me, they started to build a, um, a service line called Physician Documentation Improvement. Uh, they call it PDI. And they needed decks built for these consultants that they had hired because um, it was the age of ICD-10, right? ICD-10 was coming up and we had to teach docs ICD-10. So how were we going to teach docs ICD-10? So I built them a library um, for the service lines that they wanted for ICD-10 for our consultants to go out and teach ICD-10. Uh, eventually, after I stopped building them, I started going out teaching as well, <laughs> right? So, um, uh, and then we hired, we even hired more people and we had a whole slew of people teaching PDI across um, the nation. So uh, gotcha. it, was a, it was a great opportunity. So it, I, I just kind of fell into that one because they were like, we think you'd be really good over here. Yeah. yeah. So. Interesting. And I, I obviously you've got this rich experience from wearing both hats. Um, yes. You know, typically it's well, and of course, now you've come back to McLaren and I'm sure they're they're very pleased to have you there and, and, and your accomplishments speak for themselves. But again, having now worn this this hat with the advisory board, what is it that consultants um are getting wrong with hospitals. I'm not. Some of them are wonderful, and I'm yes. not asking you to call anyone particular. But no. having worked both worlds, what would you say that? Um... I, I think the biggest thing I'd probably like to say is, um, and it's not just the advisory board because obviously I've worked for Anthelia or Atos, or I've had other vendors come in to speak Absolutely. to me from the provider side. Um, I would really love them to have more people in the roles that have actually been people that work in the hospitals who yep. understand it because they have a lot of young people who are very willing to travel right outside of college um, that they've never been in a hospital. They've never walked into one until they walk in with someone like me who's considered their subject matter expert. And um, I think that puts it, their, their company at a disservice, right? Okay. That, well, we want to grow these young people, but if they're don't have, you know, if their background is in, something way off healthcare, right? Um, and they grad just graduated, you're, you're sending them in to meet with CEOs and CMOs and you know really big high level. I would hope that they had some kind of background in, in healthcare and knowledge of what healthcare is or even revenue cycle, you know, not just mm -hmm. they got a degree in, I don't know, sociology, you know, or something like that, you know? Yeah. So I, I found um, that whether I was working, you know, at either one of those companies in that role, um, or I'm, I'm the recipient of that. Sometimes I find that a person's background isn't what it really should be when they're trying to be the expert talking, talking, right. Um, so, yeah. uh, because I, yeah, that's, I, that's, I agree, like just like raw native intelligence and, and being energetic are wonderful attributes. But right. if, if you don't know the politics of a healthcare system, you, you don't know, um, physician, workload and the burden they're already under and probably burned out from having three or four failed tools introduced to them before. And now you have to overcome that. And uh, yes. yeah, I, I, I agree. I'd love to see that married with yeah. practical on the ground hospital experience. Right. That, that, that would be yeah. the ideal. Yeah. And not to say that, you know, those, those others can't be involved, but you have to have more of a mix. Yep. <laughs> it's be more of a mix. And then, you know, from a vendor perspective as I'm, and I'm on the provider side, you know, listening to whatever the the pitch may be, right? Um, but from a CDI perspective, uh, all the companies that come back to me and tell me that they're going to increase my CMI by a gazillion mm. percentage, <laughs> and I've never seen it done. And I like, right. I like, it's just you're you're selling it to just because you right i'm like you're yeah. just trying to tell me that this is going to work and then i'm going to your my cfo is going to pick this up because they want they need the revenue 
because you just told me I can increase my CMI by 8% and it's not going to happen. We're never going to see it, um, but I'm going to go with it because we bought it and here we go. Right. So, and then I have to come back and say, yeah, we might be at 2% out of it, maybe 3%, but we certainly didn't get eight. Right. So, and that puts you in the middle. Like yes. you, you, you have to answer for the, <laughs> you're sort Why of covering it. Because then it's my fault that it didn't work. It is your fault. It's all your fault, Susan. We, we, all, we already know this. Oh, gosh. So interesting stop there. Interesting perspective. Now, here you are back at McLaren. And um, just, again, I, I have to imagine that enriched your experiences and added a, a different insight into what you needed to do. So hopefully that uh, yeah. I, left-hand I would turn say- was paid off. Yes, consulting certainly is the other side of right. As you said, the dark—I don't know whether this is dark side. I certainly enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed it. It was a learning opportunity for me to see what that side is, right? Um, but I can tell you, probably the biggest reason for leaving consulting, um, and obviously this is pre-pandemic, was the travel. Yeah, I was traveling a lot. I had young kids. Uh, it was I. What was amazing about it is to see how different organizations ran. And from a CDI perspective, when you've been running it to to a very good state, right? To walk in, you know, at, on the provider side, and it's going rather well. And then you you know walk into these facilities that aren't running it so well, and going, how is that even still happening? Because we know all this information is coming out from Ahima and Actus on how to do it, and you walk into these places that just aren't anywhere close to, to running it by best practice. And so that was amazing opportunity. I had lots of engagement with the staff at that level and a lot of opportunity to, to help them grow and change. So I felt I was, again, using my, my background for best, right? But I can tell you personally, you always have to think about what's happening in your life, life right? Um, I, I was missing opportunities at home, right? Because mm-hmm. young children and my like father was ill. travel. Yeah. And my father was ill. And so when I was standing at airports, I was rushing to the hospital because my mom would tell me he would be in the hospital um, or I would be somewhere else. And I'd be on the phone with, you know, a facility and saying, you know, whatever. So that's when I decided, you know, so when I moved to Anthelio, say, how did I get to Anthelio? Well, I got to Anthelio because of that. So they were offering an opportunity to run three of the hospitals at McLaren. And then I had a hospital in Chicago and one in California which I didn't have to go to, like, like you said, 80% of the time, right? So I could, I could lead them from afar. I could go once mm-hmm. a month. It wasn't traveling. And, and then here in Michigan, those three hospitals were, I was home every night, right? So there was not, so it, it left some stability there and it got me to be home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then McLaren liked me so much, they kept adding on facilities. <laughs> <laughs> took me on in general and said she can't go to she can't go to Chicago anymore and she can't go to California anymore. We want her here full time. So, <laughs> so oh, good. Well, you made it. You survived the road, and um, I think you where you where you should be. But who knows what the future may hold for Susan Fan? Because as we've learned on today's show already, uh, anything's possible. <laughs> She's a climber. <laughs> it's pretty impressive, Susan. Yeah. Really, thank you. You know, just um. Before we get into a couple words of advice and some and a future look, just any current challenges today that you're hoping to achieve that are that have been particularly challenging, and and I'm, I also want to append to that, if you had unlimited budget, <laughs> no barriers, full executive buy-in, what would you do? Oh wow. <laughs> um, Well, my current challenges, again, since it's very new, we're still working on standardization uh, across the board for integrated care management. Mm -hmm. Um, Still working on hiring. I currently have 30 vacant spots. Wow. So with vacancies, right? Um, Are these CDI coding and case management or? This is just case management denials and utilization management. I I have very little um, openings in CDI. Uh, That one seems, again, like I said, I could walk. That one's very much, uh, very much in a good state. The other ones where we're just transitioning, I, I inherited them with vacancies, and then during this pandemic, as you know, with with all roles within healthcare, we have lost a lot of people. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, so we're in that constant flux. So if I could have a magic ball, I would like to have all those vacancies filled. Okay. <laughs> and then even to take it even a step further, manufacture them, 30 if, people. And if I had the budget, staff them to best practice, right? And not staff them to, to whatever budget I was provided. That would be awesome, right? 
Um, but uh, that's not my reality. So I have to to work with what I have, work with the budget. Um, some you know barriers I'm sure for every facility right now is uh, revenue. Um, you know they're hitting us hard from the denials perspective very much hard, everything's being denied. And if you don't have the staff to, to, to work that front door, right? And that staff on the case management, or the CDI side to get the documentation and the denial side to uh, appeal those cases, hmm. um, they already, they're already at a, at a win because they know we don't have the staff, so they're just gonna deny it. And um, so- What are you that, being denied? Is, is, it, is it the stay or is it, are they looking everything specific diagnoses so they're so from a cdi perspective it's specific diagnoses you know the the usual ones the the uh, metabolic encephalopathy the heart the heart failure the respiratory failure um and uh the um what's the other one the sepsis right all top of the list that they you know the top five if i want to call them the top five you know constantly trying to make sure we get them look at clinical validation. We built a wonderful clinical validation, um, not only from a corporate perspective, but um, from every subsidiary does the uh, corporate clinical validation guidelines that we've built uh, for the system. Um, and you know, we, we review charts, we look at them over again, making sure um, how that process is working. But you know, from a payer side, you know, we've got uh, here in Michigan, the blues have just came out in um, and they they were nice to to tell us, but in in uh, March of this year they came out with the top 22 diagnoses that are the most common diagnoses admitted to facilities and said these will always be outpatient as far as they're concerned. Um, and the 22 so, most common. Yeah, so CHF, pneumonia, in fact DKA is on there, chest pain, TIA, syncope, right? All the ones until the second midnight happens. Um, they are going to consider them to be, um, they don't want clinical data, they don't want clinicals, they don't want the interqual until they've been there for two midnights. And then they have up to 10 to 15 days to decide whether they're going to agree with that clinical when you send it in um, and wow. tell you. And so we're having to flip them, right? Wow. And then appeal them. And so it's just, it's, it's very much a struggle. So our, our I love how they're practicing medicine from afar, yeah. and they're, yes. they're they're telling you these very sick patients yeah. should not be admitted. Yeah. I don't know how you can put DKA on a not as an inpatient, but oh, Lord, you know, like you know, Drag I one of them down there. Yeah. So when you look at that list, you're just like, wow. And you know, there are the chest pains out there, the syncopes, the TIAs that. I question with you know my background. Why are we making this an inpatient, right? Mm -hmm. So fair enough. Um, and I think that's fair, but you know some of the more severe ones, um, I, I don't think that's fair. And I think it's it's you know just the player the payers you know, playing an, a very dangerous game. Yeah, they are. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, and you'd like to see some ramifications for the payers if they're enforcing yeah. who can be admitted, and there's an unfortunate. Um, you know, level of care that's not appropriate to that patient. I think there should be some ramifications, but um, that's not for me to decide. No, me neither. <laughs> yeah. You know, this has been great, Susan. I, I want to transition in the last few yeah. minutes here to a little bit about, you know, a little bit more about you and, and maybe yeah. some advice you have for, for our listeners who uh, are seeing your career from afar. Maybe, maybe they run screaming from by now. I don't know, but <laughs> just, but, but it's, it's, it's impressive. Um, one thing I heard you say early on that I wanted to come back to, you know, um, off the record is very new. And I've been listening to some common themes that have been, uh, that our guests have, um, guests that have been on a career track like you have, 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 have had a similar impact earlier in their career. And beginning of the show, you mentioned um, a gentleman, but I guess you said his name is Mike McKenna. Correct. Who recently passed. And he, he encouraged you to take this new role. It seems like having some type of a mentor um, at some point in your career, someone that maybe sees something in you that you know, us being fallible humans and we're all our, our own worst critic don't see. Uh, and it takes someone from the outside to see that in you. Um, what, what, what was his impact on you? And, um, you know. His impact on me was tremendous. Mm -hmm. um, still, still impactful today, as as we shared about um, earlier happenings this week for you. Um, yeah, you know, he just he he would just he 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 
was a positive force. I would tell him I was having difficulty or whatever. And he's like, you know, you got this, you, you got this, you're doing just fine, you know, and just keep reaching out. But, you know, he would just say, you know, he would just say the nicest of things. Um, and, and I can't say enough, if you want to promote somebody or you want to grow somebody, the best thing that you can do for that person is one to encourage them to take those leaps. And the next is to, and you should do this to anybody that, that works for you is to provide them feedback. Um, because his feedback to me and how I could do better or what move I should make next with whatever we were working on, um, because he does come, he did come from that, you know, he was obviously older than me and had been in the industry for a lot longer. He was very knowledgeable of what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and he knew he could pull from where I was like, I'm CDI, I've been CDI for 15 years. Why do you think I can do denials, UM and case management? And as you mentioned, when you bring up my my history. Well, I've done it before, but it was a long time ago. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure this, I'm the person he's like, I'm absolutely positive. You're the person that I want for this role. Um, he goes, you have more than demonstrated, you know, uh, things and your commitment to this organization and those kind of things. So that's when I say, you know, when you reach out and you just don't do that, you don't come in and whether you're CDS, any one of those roles, you don't just come in and now it's fine to do that if that's all you want, just yep. to come in and do your job. But if you really want to delve out, there are so many opportunities to do it. And the next time you have a staff meeting and your boss mentions something and you just shoot an email and say, hey, I'd like to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. um, I had an email last night. We're starting um, a new software product with the ACMA to help our staff with continuing education and, and onboarding. They have a they have a toolkit that we just signed a contract for. And I, I need somebody to be a train the trainer, right? Out of my leadership team. Um, they suggested that not be at the highest level, but maybe a staff or a manager or maybe even a director. And I reached out to one last night and I said, hey, I'm thinking about you as one of the one of the two people for this role. And I think you'd be really good at it. Um, I know you've got lots on your plate because she does but would really like you to consider. And she, she immediately came back and said how much she loved her job and would be happy to take that additional information on. And again, I don't expect that from everybody, but you know, I, I seek out those people from a leadership level that I see that in. And then again, um, you know, I would say that for a staff person, if you seek that out, make that known um, that you want to be more than just what you're doing today. Cause if even those little things as you continue to help will build to something else along the way. That's awesome. Very cool. And I'm glad to see you're, you're giving back now too, encouraging others. Yes. At some point in your career, you, you realize that, you know, you're, you're, um, you, you've got the future all ahead for you, Susan, whatever you want to do. But at some point it sounds like you're, you're starting to transition into how, right now, how can I transfer these lessons on to someone else? You know, how can I, grow their career yes. um, and not just have it be about my next step, but now I'm bringing up the next generation of leaders. And um, that's, that's really cool. Right. So congratulations to, to Mike and his, his influence on you. Uh, it, it shows. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about too. So I'm just about, um, I think having some work-life balance is important. And a, a little birdie, I won't mention his name, but um, it's, it, uh, it, all right, it's Jason. I <laughs> <laughs> said, did, are, are you into gardening and, and plants? Is that correct? I, yeah. Okay. My, well, my husband, and I are. Yeah. He's got okay. the touch better than I do. Yes. He's got the green thumb, but is, is that part of what keeps you sane on your off hours or is there anything we, else that you like to yeah, do? When, when we, you're not we, yeah. We built this really nice garden this year. Uh, and I got peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers and everything else coming in. It's, it's pretty awesome. So we're excited. We finally got enough property to put a big garden in because we've been doing little ones for many years. Uh, but uh, lucky enough, right? Uh, when you talk about my career, I met my husband at St. Joe's when I worked there the first 17 years of my life and mm -hmm. we've been together ever since. Um, so he's in healthcare too. So he, he keeps me grounded and we have three beautiful boys um, that are now older, but they're still here. And uh, so they keep me grounded as well as my, my dogs. I have three dogs, um, but I can tell you, I'm probably a glutton for work-life balance. Um, I tell my staff that how important it is. 
uh, I have to work on that myself. So if I had an area of opportunity for growth for myself, I would say I have to focus more on work-life balance. Um, mm -hmm. I, can, I can tell you I work a lot of hours yeah. um, and work weekends <clears throat> to get things done. And Gosh, okay. uh, But we're also in that beginning of that change. So I anticipate that it hopefully starts to calm down as right as it gets going. But, you know, starting any new any new um, service line that it's expected. So it's yeah. been a crazy last year, but uh, I, th I think it's all for the good. But work-life balance is very important. My husband and I also um, not only gardening because he he was raised on a 40 acre farm. Wow. So that's where that was where that comes from a little bit. But Picked up uh, a thing or two there along the way. Yeah. <laughs> our, our other thing is estate sailing. <laughs> so I we, we like to go to estate sales and get some good deals on on things. So so a level up from garage sailing, it's estate sailing and uh, we okay. go into these homes and some of these homes are, are pretty, pretty nice. Some of them are, are not, but you still find some treasures. Like he just found a clamp for the garage for when he works on tools, you know, you know so it's those little things that we can just repurpose and use. So it's just I like had, a fun outing for the day. So. Yeah, I hadn't even heard of that term estate sailing. Of course, yard <laughs> sailing, uh, but I was equate yard sailing with, you know, you, you pick up a an old blender or a toaster where only one side works or something. But <laughs> state sailing, that, that sounds a little more fancy and probably some higher end deals to be had there. Yeah, and it's always interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always interesting too, just to go into a home that I would never be invited in sometimes, right? Like right. I'm not in that caliber, but let's go into that home and just see what it looks like. So sometimes that's just fun too. So oh, we, yeah. do, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, and again, spend time with kids. My, my oldest was here last night, so it de definitely gets you to stop right and and uh come out yeah. and come out of the office and and spend some time with family it's it's important and uh you, you need, know you with, need to recharge yeah with the recent passing it's been a rough rough year um personally i i lost two fathers and uh oh, God. and dr mckenna and my mom broke broke an, an arm and a leg at, on a fall so it's you know so I'm, i said that that gray cloud's got to move somewhere else <laughs> right yeah. and um and so it does get you back to remembering why we do what we do because while it's nice to have a career and everything else uh my major career is uh my home right my family mm -hmm. so yeah. um, well my uh my condolences on, on all your losses and a and, a, and just a a very, very difficult year. And um, at, at the same time, an incredible year for you professionally, just yes. just a, a year. I'm sure you'll never forget all around uh, yeah. hearing all this today. It's um, you're, you're an amazing person, Susan. And, oh, um, you. you know, the, the CDI and coding and case management communities are the better for you. And we're lucky to have you working uh, as you have and being a visionary and making this effort to combine all of these different verticals into one. It, it makes so much sense. I know why people don't do it every heard what it's taken to get there, but yeah. I'm sure it will well, pay off. Yeah. And, and, you know, personally, you know, you've been, you've been kind of in there behind me, you know, in some fashion all along. So uh, I just want to thank you for, you know, everything that you did for me along the way as well. I, I I probably wouldn't be on the active sport if you hadn't encouraged me to keep keep applying right and keep keep doing it i you got know, in. so i think it took two times so maybe maybe three i, I can't just remember. gonna say you, so the actus advisory water people listening at home is um you have to apply and then we have a committee that narrows down to the most qualified but then those go for an actual vote of the membership and Susan, I believe, lost two votes, if I'm correct. And I encouraged you strongly to run again because I knew you were more than qualified. And, and I think, Susan, the, the voting was like almost single digits, double, like low double digits separating you from the other candidates. I said, this, she's extraordinarily qualified. It's really there's some element of chance in all of that. And um, yeah. I'm so glad you got on because you made an impact and you help change the profession. You've opened eyes to what it can be and where you can go. Um, so congratulations again. I'm going to end here with the, with the toughest question for last. Uh, as I like to say on off the record, record has more than one meeting. Uh, yes, it means the medical record, but um, your favorite song 
<laughs> and or album. <laughs> I'd love to know what that is. Song or album. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have. I, I, it doesn't I, have to be from the eighties, even though that's. Oh, okay. We so I went back to the eighties and I tried to like. So <laughs> real quick, if I remember the eighties and not a record. So if I think of a record, I think of Thriller or Purple Rain because I was thinking the eighties. Yeah. Um, so if it, that's what I was thinking for a record. Solid. You know what the impact was for for music for for our I think it's our generation was MTV. Yes. Because that's when it hit, and you know you see you saw everybody. It wasn't just a record. You were video seeing... killed the radio stuff. <laughs> exactly. They famously so. said uh, <laughs> it changed a lot of people's careers when people saw them actually on TV, and they yeah. maybe weren't as. So I, I don't think I was watching a lot of records, friendly. but I was watching a lot of MTV. Yeah. Any standout video from you back then? Well, there's always Thriller, right? Uh, so yeah. um, that uh, one's was, always, and Madonna always had some interesting ones out there. That was well. a production. Thriller was like uh, you're yeah. watching a horror movie with some music as, as Yeah, as I mean, they, you know, they would tell us it was coming, you know, and then there was a countdown to it coming. Oh, yeah, I miss those yeah. days. MTV yeah. doesn't even resemble music no. anymore. It's basically a series of bad reality shows. Uh, I concur. But we remember. Yes, we remember. Don't forget it the 80s existed. Here off the record. <laughs> well, Susan, this was awesome. Uh, you know, that that is going to do it for this week's episode of Off the Record, folks. Please let us know what you thought of the show. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn and Facebook for updates on upcoming episodes, recaps, highlights, and more 80s rock and pop references. Uh, I always recommend following a guest. Susan, is there anywhere folks could can find you if they want to? Learn more from Susan, LinkedIn maybe, or anywhere else you might. LinkedIn, or I'm out there on the advisory board on the Actus website too. So my contact information is there. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again, Susan. Everyone else will see you back here again in two weeks. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in to Off the Record. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. We'll catch you in the next episode.